Hello everybody and welcome to the Venture Oasis. It's Tuesday, 23rd of June 2020 and I am Khaldun Tabaza, your host. And this podcast is brought to you by Aynina Group, an investment company made up of company builders and venture capitalists with founders' attitude and investors' mindsets. Before establishing Aymina Group in 2013 with my partner Adi Salamin, I have been both a founder and a venture capital investor in our region and beyond going back to 1996 when I started Arabia.com, one of the first venture-backed online businesses in the Arab world and including co-founding iDevelopers in Cairo in 2001, which was the first regionally incorporated venture capital fund. Between 96 and today, I've started, advised and invested in businesses in my home country of Jordan as well as in Saudi Arabia, UAE, Kuwait, Egypt and internationally in the US and Europe. Today, my guest from Kuwait is Mohammed Jafar, Deputy Chairman and CEO of Faith Capital Holding and founder of Talabad.com, an online food ordering company that was acquired by Delivery Hero in 2015 for $170 million in what was considered a milestone in the history of venture capital and entrepreneurial development in the Arab world. We will talk about the story of Talabat, about the VC and entrepreneurial ecosystem in Kuwait and the region, about faith capital and about what young founders and VCs can learn from Hamad journey. Uh, Mohammed, welcome to the Venture Oasis. Thank you very much, uh, my dear Khaldun, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's uh, it's a pleasure to 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 see you again, uh, although virtually. I think we first met in 2012 or 2013 when you were hard at work building Talabat. And yes. uh, since then, uh, mashallah, you've been one of the milestone successes of this industry and an inspiration to many people. You're one of the people that I would consider one of the superheroes of the internet in this part of the world. But for, for those who don't know you, why don't you talk a bit about, about your background before Talabat and about what you're doing now for our audience? Thank you very much, Khaldun, uh, again for the introduction. First of all, it's you know, alhamdulillah for everything. It's Allah's blessing. Um, and for me, I and I started, uh, you know, uh, you know, school in the UK. I was in a boarding school there, um, and then I moved back to Kuwait at a at the, you know later stage after graduating university. I graduated with an economics degree. Always wanted uh, to uh, have my own business. However, I didn't know how to. So, alhamdulillah, I started my career in corporate banking. Uh, and these four years I spent in corporate banking in Kuwait really helped me, um, you know, get a start and understand, you know, the business language. Uh, I left, uh, I ventured into the food and beverage space by chance. I wanted to do something which wasn't um, available in Kuwait, which is deliver high quality food, but delivered. Uh, this was in back in 2008. Uh, and then uh, I stumbled upon uh, Talabat by chance. It wasn't by, um, you know, uh, I just, my, my business was struggling. I, I, uh, and then I not, quickly noticed that most of my business was, you know, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was coming from this website. I spoke with the founders then and uh, we ended up, alhamdulillah, acquiring the business in early 2010. 
Of course, it was a, a, a small business back then. It had around seven employees um, and just in Kuwait. Uh, we then, the plan was to kind of replicate uh, that success, or early success in Kuwait across the, uh, the GCC. Uh, and then, uh, alhamdulillah, we managed to do that. That's when I first met you, I think, I think 2012. Uh, and, we, we, and we were in a big mess back then, uh, you know, just get, getting our head around the around how an e-business operates. But alhamdulillah, we just we never gave up. We, we worked, uh, you know, very very hard. And uh, alhamdulillah, uh, we had you know some tough competition from some uh, regional players in the market. And we were and we but we wanted to be the the leading player back then. Well, alhamdulillah, we managed to do so. Uh, and then we exited in. Um, and 15 and i wanted to start a new journey so i ventured into uh you know i set up my own vc uh, and we've made alhamdulillah 13 investments so far uh, in this part of the world and uh, in the united states of america at the same time i, I ventured to solve a new problem uh, basically which is in a company called just clean which is basically we're trying to uh, revolutionize that huge laundry space in that in our part of the world which is completely offline and move it online. And we are now, uh, I'm wearing two hats, an entrepreneur hat and the VC hat, but however, most of my time is in the entrepreneur seat. Uh, and, uh, you know, you go through those ups and downs of an of a entrepreneurship journey. Wonderful, wonderful, Muhammad. So, Muhammad, I want to go back and dig a bit deeper about some of the lessons yeah. learned from Talabat because it's a great yeah. story. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, a lot of the times, you know, um, a startup strength lies in its products, sometimes in its innovative business model, almost all of the times in its founder, and some of the times in the market that, that it operates in. And uh, some of the people, you know, that I've talked to, talked about Kuwait as one of the best markets to test consumer businesses. Uh, you know, amongst any market in the world. And uh, it's always often that, you know, uh, a franchise, one of the first countries that a franchise would look at, typically outside, you know, their home country in the US or elsewhere, would be to Kuwait. So this, and this is something, you know, an advantage that I believe many entrepreneurs, you know, Kuwaiti entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in the region can benefit from and learn about. And it's, it's a fact it's a secret that's not that much talked about or, or discussed. So talk to us about, you know, what you've seen from the inside and the knowledge that you have about how the market in Kuwait was one of the drivers in the success of, of Talabat. For sure. I mean, the, the purchasing power in not only in Kuwait, in the in Oman, in the Gulf countries, is pretty is very good. Uh, internet penetration rates uh, was also high. Smartphone penetration rates high. And this was not now. This was you know quite a few years ago. And um, and the question is the offline market was there already. So the question is people were used to ordering and uh, and food del getting delivered to them, but they just used to do it through you know the telephone. So the question is, uh, what Talabad did, Talabad didn't create anything. All it did is, is transfer the behavior from uh, an, uh, one method to another method. Uh, and that's where the founders of Talabat actually, when they first started, that was the idea behind it. They said, you know, why, why don't we then try to move people? This was back in 2004. Why don't we get to move people from 
the telephone and to the uh, website. And uh, of course, it was difficult in the beginning to convince people to order online, but now it's just you know, it's a second habit. So uh, I think the purchasing power, at the same time, the infrastructure was already there. What Talabat did, and the other online food delivery platforms do, is that they just accelerated more. So it, it gave a chance for all the different restaurants to compete with each other on a certain platform. So that automatically that makes them try to get to become better because they are competing. And that that uh, improved the infrastructure and developed it. And if you compare, for example, the infrastructure today in 2020 versus when we sold the business in 2015, it's significantly more now uh, advanced than it was five years ago. And same thing when we came in in 15 compared to when we first when we came out in 15 versus coming in in 10. So I think uh, that's kind of been a, a short answer for the question. Uh, how about uh, electronic payments? Has that been... Yeah. You know, uh, one of the one of the secrets or the drivers of the market for online businesses in Kuwait, Knet. Can you talk about that? Did it play oh, a role sure. in Talabat and uh, Just Clean now and other businesses? Uh, for, for sure, yes, definitely plays a role. It just makes it easier because you know, uh, I, I I never carry cash personally. I'm sure most people don't carry cash. Uh, I think it's uh, definitely the door Knet and how advanced Knet is. And then same thing with, uh, and then other Gulf countries caught up. That really, that definitely helped people transact more freely on uh, online. Wonderful. Uh, when uh, when you got approached, you know, uh, basically uh, to to sell Talabat, and uh, you know, at that time and then, uh, until today, there are many you know components of the of the venture capital ecosystem that don't exist in our part of the world. You know. There aren't that many big companies that are buyers of small companies. There aren't that many advisors who you could go to, you know, to help you with the valuation. Maybe, you know, legal counsels are not that experienced in terms of, you know, startup transactions, exiting a business, uh, etc. Talk us a bit on how, you know, you... your thinking process at the time, what were some of the key challenges and, uh, you know, and uh, how, how, how did you address them and what lessons can, you know, young VCs and founders learn from you today if, you know, hopefully they get blessed to be in the same position uh, of selling their business? I mean, it's a great question and you're absolutely right. I mean, we took a, a massive risk in 2009 when we started to analyze and the value of the company. We found it very, very difficult uh, to get the proper advice. And we kind of, uh, we took a huge risk, especially with the financial crisis back then. Uh, but the question is, we just wanted to build something that makes sense. So uh, the numbers had to make sense. The unit economics had to make sense. There had to be, you know, clear improvements seen on a quarterly basis uh, and so forth and so forth. And at the same time, we're solving a real problem that people really, really needed. That really helped. I think we are definitely in this part of the world, we are behind. Uh, Western Europe, I've lived in, in, in England for most of my life and I even worked there as well. Uh, and definitely you can see. However, we are catching up. I think we are definitely catching up. I, I believe our biggest problem, uh, Khaldun, here in this part of the world is we are not working together more uh, in, in the same level uh, as the Europeans or the Americans are. I mean, us as Arabs, I think we need to all work together uh, and you know trust each other more. I think that's one of the things missing here. Uh, and uh, the more we do so, we're going to be more. We're going to be stronger together. 
we can't do it alone. Uh, so, and at the same time, a lot of wealth is still held by you know old generations in this part of the world, and uh, usually people in the old generation don't really kind of see value in this sort of industry. Uh, they stick to the more traditional stuff. If you look at the West, it's, it's a different story. But again, these things are changing. We, we are catching up, uh, but we definitely we are behind. I think the only way we can be um, reached to the levels we all want to reach is we have to work together uh, more. Uh, all of us, all the Arabs. Uh, at the moment, by us working separately, we're, we will never get there. But that's Absolutely. kind of my uh, my um, take on it. Absolutely. So, so you now um, manage Just Clean, and uh, I read that you've also launched Just Deliver. Yeah. To, oh, wonderful. So, talk to me about, you know, what are some of the things that you've done differently in Just Clean and Just Deliver from establishing the business to, yeah. to growing it and, and some of yeah. the lessons learned from this second journey? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it's, uh, I've learned uh, significantly more on the second journey. Uh, I've also, alhamdulillah, I stumbled upon two great entrepreneurs, uh, young entrepreneurs, Adri and Nouri Lanizi. They're half British, half Kuwaiti. SubhanAllah, I think they, they have the best of both uh, worlds, you know. Uh, at the same time, they, uh, so before I invested with them, I went and just with, to one of the big four to kind of, I want to know the addressable market size. Exactly. What, how big is the problem we're trying to attempt? And I was astonished at the size of the problem. Of course, it's a very difficult problem because uh, nobody has done it before in that space. So no, we haven't seen a success so far come from the laundry space. So that's what one of the reasons that attracted me. At the same time, I wanted to do more than I did before with Talabat. Because, you know, so I didn't want to just do another marketplace. Uh, I wanted to do a marketplace. We then ventured into logistics. We then ventured into SaaS. So we also, so, and by us having these different products, uh, we can tackle both the online and the offline side of the market. The purpose of this is how to bring that industry into uh, online, you know, from the traditional offline. It just deliver is another uh, line of the business we've done to help basically uh, penetrate another area which we feel there is growth in, uh, which is on-demand delivery. Uh, and inshallah, we just launched that softly just a few days ago. And inshallah, we will start to push that more and more forward. And uh, subhanAllah, yani, uh, I think one of the things you, you, can, you get to learn is how difficult it is to start a company from almost zero. You know, uh, for me, when I, in 2015, when I left Tarabat, Tarabat was an established company with employing almost 200 people in six countries. And then suddenly I went into another startup and literally, which had two employees. You know, which are which were the founders. So we started to build again uh, from scratch, and it's just uh, it is very very difficult. And always, uh, in my opinion, the most difficult period in any business is the first uh, three years. But once you pass that, inshallah, and you prove yeah, that unit of economics makes sense, and you have good, uh, and you can prove that you can grow efficiently. I think you're you're on a, sitting on a winner. Alhamdulillah, I mean, just came today matured quite a lot. We employ around 200 people now. We are in five countries. Um, inshallah, we're planning, inshallah, in the near future to expand into more territories and launch more products uh, which are related to the cleaning space. Um, at the same time, we've invested in two other companies through Just Clean. Uh, one of them is called Just Mop and the other one is called Kino. Just Mop is a company in the uh, home cleaning space. 
uh, kinos in the car wash space. So we want we didn't want to do it ourselves. We thought it makes sense to invest in good in good founders and good players. Again, to go into that kind of side, uh, cleaning side of things. Wonderful. Uh, Mas Muhammad, uh, let me challenge you a bit here. Uh, in in online food ordering, you have a very strong network effect, where basically you know more more diners or more people who want to order food will go to uh, you know the service that has the largest variety, and the new restaurants will go to the service that has the largest amount of users, and this is you know a self reinforcing network effect that eventually lends pricing power to the platform. Although, you know, we're, maybe we're seeing this getting to an extent where it's firing back. We're seeing, you know, some initiatives in countries like the UAE and even in Saudi Arabia of restaurants coming together and trying to establish their own platform because, you know, just the margins or the pricing is now eating into significantly into their profit margin. But, you know, uh, no questions asked online food ordering is one of the greatest business models now when you come to, to when you come to a model you know uh, similar to similar to laundry or similar you know to cleaning where basically you know the service is more or less commoditized i e you know you want to get this suit you know dry cleaned and pressed you know it's 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 the same service that you get you know, from any dry cleaning place. So there is no differentiation between the various providers. And then basically people compete on, on, on the margin itself. So, you know, you don't have the, the network effect uh, power uh, that you have in some of the other online marketplaces. And this could lead to compressing your margins significantly so how 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 did you address that and how how do you plan to address it yeah it's a great question and uh, this is what i to be honest what i thought before we invested we i was in online food delivery for five years so i, I had the data i knew what was being ordered you know order rates cohorts of food ordering and so on and so forth uh, i was surprised to see that for example I'll just give you a few statistics about laundry in kuwait alone there's around 950 brands. Uh, these 950 brands have around 4,000 branches. So if you look at, uh, how, there's approximately... Uh, those, those, are dry, those are dry cleaning brands? Uh, uh, yes, 950 okay. Uh, okay. different uh, dry cleaning brands. Okay. Uh, and, these one, and, and some of them have more than one branch. Overall, there's around 4,000 branches in the Gulf. And you're talking about Bidual uh, Khalid, there's around 50,000 branches. You can imagine, uh, so basically by us, uh, and most of them are offline uh, in terms of, yeah, they use pen and paper to manage their businesses. So by us offering SaaS, for example, we get to move them into our system. So that's one side of the business. When it comes oh. to the laundries, uh, laundries, different categories. You have really expensive high-end ones, good ones, medium ones, and then cheaper ones. And you'll be surprised. A lot of people don't mind. You know, they want the cheaper option, so they end up... Uh, uh, using the cheaper ones. Some people say, no, I want uh, to use the high-end ones. At the same time, the laundries, you can send anything to the laundry, you know, from clothes to carpets to, you know, things you have in the house. And uh, you'll be surprised how these, you know, even sometimes these small laundries, how they cater for different washing. So we all have things in the house that need to be washed, so it's guest sent. Uh, at the same time, our clothes in, 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 the, in, the, in the Gulf 
are not easy to wash at home. For example, I'm wearing the jishtashi or the qatar agal. It takes time. Uh, so it's, again, uh, we didn't create the market. The market is already there. All we have done is we try to move it from offline uh, to online. And uh, so we see now, we see, if I've, been in that, I've been in this business now for the last three years. We get to see the, the cohorts, we get to see the average basket size. And you'd be surprised sometimes if I compared it to the food uh, and a number of aspects, it's uh, better, better metrics. But the thing is, people still don't know about it. The people still, when they think of laundry, they think, uh, oh, this is, you know, maybe another pro- problem not worth solving. So that's the, our biggest challenge right now. So our biggest challenge is how to show, I see there's a really hot market here. Uh, and inshallah, our plan is to be the first ones in it, uh, to succeed out of it. But again, being the being kind of the first person to do so, or one of the first person to do so, is not easy because you have to then prove, prove that, listen, uh, this business makes sense because in the end, it has good unit economics and it has good growth figures. So it's actually, uh, it's not the same uh, journey as I had before in Talabat where uh, it's just almost focusing only on how to get people ordering through the app. Uh, in Just Clean, we're doing that. At the same time, we're launching different sort of products got to do with cleaning. At the same time, focusing on how to scale our SaaS play business. Wonderful. Uh, it's very interesting. I, I, did not, I did not know it's a dual-sided marketplace with the SaaS, which is a very, very sticky element. Definitely a wonderful business model. Uh, I want to talk, Mohammed, about uh, inshallah about just clean a bit more, and uh, yeah. you know, uh, you are you're both you know building the company as well as the investor behind the company, and you know, you started and and launched the company, and then you brought in you know uh, two fa- two two entrepreneurs, probably you know co-founders, you brought them into the business to manage the business. This is. Uh, this is a model that I truly believe in because I believe sometimes, you know, that, uh, you know, not all founders spot the largest opportunities. And I believe that, you know, sometimes uh, de-risking the very early stage of building a company can enable you to bring in great CEOs, great founders, you know, great management team to help you build this company. However, you know, what many... Uh, sort of, you know, VC slash company building platforms have struggled with in the past is how do you balance the entrepreneurial incentive with the basically risk reward formula for those businesses. So, you know, you've started the company, you've made the investment, you know, uh, nobody needed to go out and raise funding, nobody needed to take a huge risk, but then, you know, you're bringing... Uh, found, uh, founders or management team to come help build build this company with you. How do you ensure that you know those those management team that you bring into the platform have the same entrepreneurial drive that a founder who starts a company from scratch would have? Uh, great point. Actually, the business was started by both Ali and Nuri. I invested with them. Ah, so I, right, I, right. I, 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 I joined them as a, as you can say, a third uh, co-founder investor. Ah, all right, uh, all right. But, but, the, but the business, I mean, when I came in, it was just it was a small business back then, which was only about eight months old. And, and uh, Adibi and Nuri were the only people in that company. 
Okay. So okay. When, when I when I came in, we we started to scale. So we, we ended up we started investing in that in the company and building the team. Uh, the great point you highlighted: How do you get the right people with the uh, right entrepreneurship, you know, entrepreneurial spirits? Well, the, the real true answer is we got it wrong many times. Uh, and the question is, we you know, you get people that are very experienced, but they are corporate, you know. And they, they just can't cut it in a young, fast-growing, you know, business that you have to do, you know, 17, 18 hours a day, every day, you know. So they end up not being able to 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 survive in this sort of environment. Uh, so alhamdulillah, yani, Adam and subhanAllah, you know, hiring the right talent is like getting married. You have to be careful because you want to get the right person inside. You know, you don't want to end up getting the wrong person that could spoil the culture, spoil the... And we did get it wrong a few times. But you know that's that's the whole point. You, we're gonna we're gonna get it wrong. We're gonna keep getting it wrong. The question is, how fast do we react when we get it wrong? Um, so, alhamdulillah, like I said, the company reached uh, just under two hundred people right now, and uh, and Allah subhanahu wa taala, alhamdulillah, blessed us with great people that really believe in in solving that problem. Uh, and are willing to sacrifice, you know, their life for it because it does really consume your everything. You know, being in a startup, it's it's not a job; it's it's, it's your life, and, and you go through that emo- emotional roller coaster of up and down, and you have to worry about so many things. And for me, I took a big risk because, you know, after Talabat, uh, the easiest thing for me was to, uh, you know, to uh, just maybe just invest or or to stay in Talabat and and invest. But I decided to, you know, to leave and to kind of start something new because I wanted to to solve a new problem. I, I wanted to do it more than once. Uh, so that's for me is something important. I wanted also to show people in, in, in other parts of the world and as in, as Arabs and uh, as Muslims, we can also do it. You know, uh, we can also you know do do things more than once and do it at a bigger time, bigger uh, the second time around. So definitely the experience that, and the mistakes I've made previously helped me in this journey. Uh, we made lots of mistakes in this journey as well, but we, we learn and we try to improve. But we closely monitor always numbers, uh, and you know, and we incentivize people as well. So everybody in Justine is a is a has a share in Justine. That's something important for me. Uh, alhamdulillah, both founders are well incentivized. Alhamdulillah, they're both alhamdulillah. Uh, they have a good characteristic. Both of them are. I mean, one of the things about both of them, which is quite rare to find, is that they're both not driven by money. They're driven by success. And uh, alhamdulillah, I've been working with them for the last three years and I, I get to see that firsthand. Uh, they want to be successful. And subhanAllah, money comes with success, you know, Absolutely. the other way around. Absolutely. Uh, so, and they have, and they, and like I said, yani, um, they, they give it all, they're all. And once you give it your all, it sends the right message to the rest of the team members. So they will end up having to give it their all, otherwise they will not be able to survive. Absolutely. Uh, alhamdulillah, that's uh, so far. I still have a long way to go. Inshallah, I will forget it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Muhammad, I want to talk to you about you know uh, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Kuwait. Uh, yeah. I've noted that you know you've served for a short while on the National SME Fund, which yeah. you know uh, at the time probably was the largest fund of its kind globally. You know allocating a billion dollar to invest in in SMEs in Kuwait. And you're also a VC, you know, you invest... Two billion KD. <laughs> two billion KD, two bi- which is what, six, six billion dollars, seven billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. S- seven billion dollars to invest in SMEs. And, you know, 
at the same time, you know, uh, you invest both in in Kuwait and uh, and invest and invest regionally, and uh, you know, you you hear basically you know two uh, two views when you talk uh, to people about Kuwait. Now, Kuwait historically has been one of the you know entrepreneurship hubs in this part of the world, and a lot of you know regionally successful stories in many in many in many sectors in media in uh, in food and beverage in manufacturing in finance and services started in kuwait now probably kuwait is number you know four or five in terms of number of deals being made in uh, you know in in the venture capital space and amount of money invested and uh, when when you talk to founders and talk to vcs in kuwait you know you get two different stories uh, one of the stories that you get is that you know uh, a lot needs to be done you know uh, still you know uh, getting funding is not easy and uh, you know a lot of uh, kuwaiti founders have to uh, go look for vcs uh, elsewhere and there are gaps of funding and that's you know one of the reasons why you know not as many companies are being built uh, on the, you 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 know you, you basically go into discussions about you know why the largest fund of its kind globally hasn't been deployed in an efficient manner to do this and on the other hand sometimes you talk to other vcs and tell you you know that it's it's very difficult to to invest in a kuwaiti startup because in many of the cases you know the founder will be able to secure funding from uh, you know friends and family uh, and hence you know does not really require in institutional funding what what we know for sure is that you know there are great founders coming out of uh, out of the country there's great success stories probably you know in terms of uh, pro rata to the population the number of exits that took place would rank the country you know near the top in the region so i want to hear from you about your view on the entrepreneurial ecosystem in kuwait and what do you need you know what do we need in order to increase such activity and integrate it with the rest of the region including your view about you know your experience and the national sme fund the seven billion dollar fund um i joined i was a board member for one year in the in the national fund and uh, i found very very frustrating uh alhamdulillah and then i asked i asked not to continue to be there because i couldn't add value in my opinion uh, and I think it's not a, not a problem of the people. I think we we tend to really overcomplicate matters in here in Kuwait. And you know, I, I don't know why this is the case. You know, sometimes there are simple matters. Uh, in my opinion, I, I expressed this to you know, to the minister himself and to many many people in the government here. I mean, if we're going to end up setting up a fund in Kuwait, we should follow the best practice of how funds operate. Uh, and it should not be operated by the government. It doesn't, doesn't work like that, uh, you know? Uh, and that's what happened, you know, it was part of a government, and it, so it fell on the bureaucracy. So unfortunately, uh, I felt, you know, I couldn't add value, so I asked to, you know, to, uh, and I won't be able to continue, because I, I couldn't uh, add, you know, the value. At the same time, if you look at the history of Kuwait, Yes, Kuwait has been, throughout the history, uh, it is an entrepreneurial country. Uh, 
I think uh, after the emergence of oil, a lot of people became complacent. And then and now for the last, I think, 10 years, especially, we're seeing a lot of people, you know, don't want to work for the government anymore. They don't want to work for, you know, a bank or a company anymore. They want to go and start their own uh, business. Now, where the problem here is, is a lot of people who end up starting and venturing into entrepreneurs, they are good entrepreneurs, but they have no experience. For example, one thing that helped me as Mohammed was those four years I spent in corporate banking. That was for me like a school that gave me the chance to understand the business language or the language of how to do things in a professional way. Uh, you don't learn that in school, you know, you learn that in a, in a professional environment. So uh, I, I think in Kuwait, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I, they come to me, I always advise them, say, go and work first. Uh, go and work for two or three years, four years. Get that know-how because that will really help you then when you, once you start. So we have a lot of people who want to become entrepreneurs, but they, they lack that kind of fundamental uh, know-how of how does a business kind of operate. At the same time, we have really smart people that have done great success stories. Uh, and uh, and if you look, if you dig into their history uh, of the founders of these companies, they've all most of them have gone through that experience. They went, they went to good schools, they went and had a few years of work experience, and then they started. So they followed that kind of that right path. I, I think um, uh, a lot of things need to be changed. I think for us uh, in Kuwait to kind of compete uh, with the rest of the countries, uh, the structure needs to be enhanced to be a more agile structure. Uh, in my opinion, uh, more efficient, uh, and for that, hard decisions need to be take, need to be made. But uh, you know, we, they haven't been yet. So I think um, moving forward, uh, we're gonna struggle. In my opinion, struggle to to uh, to com- maybe compete with Saudi Arabia, for example, at the moment, which is you can see a lot of funding is coming in Saudi Arabia. There's a lot of entrepreneurs coming in Saudi Arabia. I've worked, you know, uh, five years. Uh, during my Baraba days in Saudi, and now three years uh, during my just clean days, and it's th- and that that was a, a country that has changed dramatically, uh, and I think it will, it's, it's rising very very fast. UAE is getting there, you know, we're seeing it in Bahrain now. But Bahrain has a different issue, but I think the whole region overall, I mean, Kuwait overall is improving. I'm not saying we're not improving, but we need to improve faster. And for us to improve faster, some structural changes need to be made. Uh, we have to be also, we have to have that mentality that countries are competing with each other as well for talent, for this. And that's one of the problems we have in Kuwait. We find it very, very difficult to attract really top talent to come live here in Kuwait. So we end up having to deploy them in our, for example, our Dubai office, uh, instead of having to have them come and live in Kuwait. And uh, you'll be surprised how that it's not easy to get really talented individuals to come and live in Kuwait. And I think. We have to do our part to, to become more friendly, more friendly to, to all nationalities, all faiths, all religions, uh, to make Kuwait more, more into a, you know, and that will help us. That will help the Kuwaiti youth to become more talented and learn. You know, human beings learn from each other. So I think that's the problem we have. Um, and inshallah, yeah, and inshallah, uh, things will improve in the future. I think the coronavirus that has happened right now has raised a lot of questions about a lot of things. Uh, so I think I think changes have to happen otherwise we will kind of will be in trouble in that. understood 
Muhammad, let's talk a bit about about faith capital. You know, yeah. you've invested in thirteen startups uh, to date. To date, you've mentioned. Talk to me about you know the biggest drivers in in your portfolio. Some of the insights, you know, the businesses you're most uh, excited about, and uh, you know, what are you looking for in terms of uh, you know new investments that you'd like to make. I mean, we, we focus heavily on on the founder himself and, and his understanding of you know of numbers of, of and does, is he a real entrepreneur or he's not a real entrepreneur. Um, we we try to invest in different sectors, so we touched on the flower space, laundry space, SaaS space for restaurants, uh, you know, all kind of, you know, spotting fake news space. And some of the companies we've invested in are, you know, young. So we went in a late seed stage. Some of them more mature. We went in a, a series A or series B. So it, 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 we, we try to kind of, um, you know, have a different uh, kind of portfolio opportunities and different sizes. Our future strategy is to invest in uh, more later stage uh, opportunities. Um, now we we focus on Sharia compliant investments only as well. So that's that's one thing we we have, uh, and I think moving forward um, we are looking for opportunities. We're always looking for opportunities, and I wish you know. And I think that's one thing we need to do all of us, and, and the VCs in this part of the world is, is really going together. Uh, and I tried personally to to you know to uh, speak with the other you know other founders of VCs. For the importance of us going in together, even you need me, I need you, so we all both need each other to help this this founder uh, go go across the line. Sometimes, uh, when it comes to practice, it's not that it doesn't happen. Uh, you know, you get pushed out of a few deals, and and uh, because the the other you know the other VC wants wants to take it all. But actually, if you just give up a little bit and may, may for example have me and and others on the table, we will add value. You know, we will we will add value. Uh, you know, uh, at least we have we can brainstorm things better. Uh, so that's I think one of the one of the weaknesses we have, and so we need to do it you know, as 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 Arabs. And I think uh, entrepreneurs are getting better and better. They are, they are they're becoming uh, more uh, mature. But again, we are men. Great companies here end up competing with great companies in the West. And again, talent when it comes to talent acquisition. We struggle as a region here compared to other regions of the world to attract the top talent. And I think the moment you start to attract the top talent, that will be uh, one of the main factors to scale to the next level. Absolutely. So I, I want to pick up on a few things that you've talked about, Muhammad. One is, you know, no. you've mentioned that, uh, you know, the best businesses in the region are competing with, with, uh, with global businesses do you differentiate when you look at investment opportunities between business models that could be successful at a regional level and business models that need the resources and the access and the markets uh, globally? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you make that differentiation between this is a regional business model and this is a global business model? And do you have you know, basically any preference to either when you look at opportunities? I'll always like to. For me, I prefer to. I prefer to always back up and you know uh, someone from our part of the world. That's kind of you know it's, it's a number one priority for us because uh, we we need to support each other. And for me, is again, I don't look at, for example, what nationality he is or, or, or religion he is or actually uh, him as a human being. Is he a good human being? Is he a good person? Uh, does he understand? You know, uh, is he smart? Is he entrepreneurial? 
Uh, we've invested also um, in other companies, but uh, which are out of this region. But majority of our investments are backing up MENA founders, and I think we will continue to do so. We'll continue to uh, back uh, MENA founders. Uh, I think that's the best hope we have. I think we have to look support each other, inshallah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, when when you invest in a founder, you know, in in this part of the world, um, yeah. do you do you differentiate between founders that have business models that are local slash regional, i.e., like online food ordering or just clean, etc., or if somebody is coming up, you know, with with a software or a technology idea that you know will compete globally against other well-funded similar competitors globally do you make that differentiation and have any special we, we preference you know no 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 we don't no okay. uh, but but sometimes given that you know the, the ticket sizes that we come in and uh, you know our we're still we're, we're a young uh, company uh, we find it sometimes challenging to go into the really top deals because for you to get there you need to have x amount of you know uh, capital and for us we try to do you know deploy our capital uh, given our Again, faith capital, it's, we, we don't have any external investors. The investors are us, myself and my family. Uh, and uh, inshallah, and also we have to, at the same time, and we're also investing a lot in the companies we operate ourselves. For example, uh, you know, your friend Abdul Aziz Lavani, he's managing Flower. Uh, so that's doing very well. So we make sure we, we fund that all the way, just clean. So we kind of, uh, a lot of, we have a, like a one side where we, we have, we invest these two companies, uh, and then we have we go in as a smaller tickets, uh, you know, ranging between two hundred to five hundred thousand uh, dollars for the other investments. Uh, but when we see something good uh, that is worth it, uh, and we are you know and people are happy to have us, we'll you know we'll we'll do what needs to be done, inshallah, to to get there. In. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Hamad, I I also want to pick another point. You know, you mentioned that faith capital is. Uh, Sharia compliant investor and you know yes. venture cap- venture capital is probably one of the purest forms of Sharia compliant investing that can be because you know you're taking full risk equal risk between between you as an investor and the founder on the other hand you know uh, sometimes basically you know there are uh, or discussions or a little bit of ambiguity or argument you know whether uh, liquidation preferences and uh, you know preferred rights or reserved matters that are often there and are part of you know the basic structures and the essence of venture capital okay whether they're sharia compliant or not so uh, since you know you present and promote yourself as sharia compliant investors talk to me about that part and you know if you've talked to yeah. scholars about it what is your yeah. view and uh, you know how do you address it that's a, I mean, a great question i mean for again uh, we look at for example uh, w- one of the reasons why we ended up uh, leaving Talawat, uh, we, we had a we had a significant uh, you know uh, stake after we sold the company was the fact is the company went into, you know, uh, our shares went into the global fund where they owned companies in other parts of the world. And, and in other parts of the world, you could order uh, alcohol or you can order pork, for example. Now, automatically, that raises the flag. So you're, you're facilitating, uh, for example. But then if you look at it from the other side, that country is only a small portion compared to the food 
So we end up, uh, you know, running it by, you know, you know, certain Muslim scholars in this part of the world, and they say this is for, and this is not Sharia compliant because you are facilitating, even if it is a what one percent in in alcohol or pork, for example. So we end up. That's why we ended up exiting that investment fully, uh, and we we will not be investing in anything, for example, that facilitates in, in any way. Other on the other side, people see no, this is fine. I'm only contributing a small part, and then that small part, I kind of not take it. You know, I I purify it. Uh, absolutely purify it. Yeah. But we take the approach of you know no. Uh, let's do things as much as we can, as much as possible. Uh, in the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, anything got to do with interest as well. Uh, what has interest, we end up shying away from uh, due to that. Then we, we end up looking at the, the you know, the Sharia compliant list that, for example, Saudi Arabia has or Kuwait has. And it says, for example, a company can have a debt of up to 25%. If, if, the, if the debt to equity goes more than 25, it becomes non Sharia compliant. If it's 25 or below, it is Sharia compliant. So we end up taking the, these things uh, as, a, as a benchmark as well. But again, see, people differ. I said with other people, they say, no, I, I disagree with the way you look at it. If you, if you, go, if you go down that road, you're never going to make money. You know, you're not going to find out opportunities. Uh, the question is, we're trying to prove that. We're trying to prove, actually, if you do things ethically right and, and buy the book as much as possible, you can still succeed. Uh, what's, you, what's, you what's your view on liquidation preferences in specific in, in the context of Sharia compliant investing, is that uh, is that acceptable or? Well, I I, I don't see it as why it should not be acceptable. Yeah, okay. I, I but again, before we take any decision, Khaldun, we, we we run it by we run it by yeah. two three guys uh, scholars to get their opinion, and then we end up making our decision because sometimes even the scholars we run it by they don't know the answer. You know, the, the, they simply say, I'm I'm sorry, this is too complicated for me. I don't understand it. So we have to end, end up, uh, I also run things with my father. I mean, he's, inshallah, a successful businessman himself. But he helps me with, with to guide me on, on, on things. But in general, uh, even a little bit, we shy away from. And we try to stick to uh, stick to uh, things that we, we understand more in. Wonderful. Uh, so, Muhammad, uh, uh, we're, uh, as we, uh, we're recording this as we're, you know, just starting to get out of the quarantine uh, hopefully you know yeah. and uh, one of the things uh, that i personally enjoyed you know in in our lockdown here is is the fact you know that uh, for the first time in a while one had a chance to reflect and and think and you know read more and spend more alone time and uh, uh, one of one of the you know uh, questions that I started asking since then, you know, for all of my friends and people that I meet is, what has been the biggest idea that you came up with during the quarantine? So I want to ask you, Muhammad, you know, what's the biggest idea that you came up during the quarantine? Well, Anna, before I answer that question, uh, one of the good things about the quarantine was we get to spend more time with our families. I of mean, course. for me, uh, for me, I I travel at least once, sometimes twice a week. So usually in the seven days, uh, three to four days, I'm out of Kuwait. Um, and when I, and whenever I am in Kuwait, I usually end up leaving. I leave the house pretty early in the morning, and around you know eight thirty, eight forty-five, and I end up coming at home. 
يو نو ويجي 10 30 11 بالليل فسبحان الله يعني ما يعني يجيت كمان ايت سليب اي جيت ميست اون اون يور تشيلدرن جروينج اب اون يور وايف اند ثينجز لايك ذات سو سبيندينج تايم ويز ويز يور ويز يور تشيلدرن اتس بين الحمد لله ون اوف ذا بليسنجز اوف ات فور اس اف يو ثينك وات ايديز كيم وي هاد ا لوت اوف بروبلمز تو دو ويز ذا كورنتين اند باي هافينج ا لوت اوف بروبلمز ما قدرت يو ريلي كان ثينك اوف ايديز هاوفر By having these problems, we saw we started to pivot into other things. For example, if you look at the just clean bit uh, part, we pivoted into uh, into essential cleaning products, sanitization. Now, just deliver. Alhamdulillah, these products have picked up. You know, now we don't know whether these products will continue to pick up when things go back to normal. Well, I can. We we believe in just deliver. Just deliver. I think that was something we believe but will keep picking up. Alhamdulillah, and uh, so it forced us. It forced us to really sit and think hard. of how to basically make money when there is suddenly your main line of business has stopped due to the lockdown. Of course. Uh, you know, uh, even though we, we offer a service that is needed, but simply people couldn't access the service because nobody was allowed to get out of the house and businesses were forced to be shut. So that's on, on that side, that really helped us a lot. I think um, if you look at, for example, on the flowered side, I think uh, they had to also pivot into other things which alhamdulillah worked well for Abdul Aziz and the team and the flower team so for example if you look at their example uh, they actually did extremely well during the during the lockdown period much well much better than they expected uh, for us in just clean we actually took a big hit so alhamdulillah yani now we're starting to uh, to come back and alhamdulillah a big recovery has been made in june and we expect inshallah july and the following months for us to go back to you know a fast growing month on month uh, so i think uh, it made us think about a lot of things uh, you know i think some countries handled the corona situation much better than others um, and i think uh, and the last just want to say the last four months of my life have been maybe the toughest <laughs> the toughest to kind of relaunch new products from scratch again uh, and trying to um, you know not lose anyone as well you know we we didn't want to let go of any employee in the company so we kept everyone uh, even though our business has stopped making revenue for the last few months we didn't want to let go of anyone uh, you know because we felt the moment things go back uh, to to open again we'll have the we'll have the, the hands and legs to bounce back and that's what alhamdulillah what's happening now of course and uh, mohammed uh, kuwait has one of the highest office rental rates uh, in the region so Do you expect that, you know, going out of uh, the crisis and, uh, you know, back to normal practice that, uh, you know, any of your businesses will have more people working from home and, uh, you know, save a little bit on, sure. on, on office space? For, for sure, uh, definitely. And I, and I, I believe uh, um, if you could just look at Kuwait, for example, many, many people I know uh, have gone out, gone out of business already. But they haven't, they haven't, you know, they haven't shared that news yet. Uh, you know, people here in this part are a little bit shy to say, "And no, I didn't do well," uh, uh, and, if, and and they're not to blame. Uh, I think uh, we haven't we haven't done enough uh, here to support the local businesses. Um, so I think uh, it's been very very difficult. So automatically that will reduce your office space. Uh, I know a lot of people who are landlo- landlords have they haven't collected rent for the last three months to four months. And I think even when things go back to normal, I don't think they'll be collecting what they did before. 
we for us we uh, we have you know, quite a lot of office spaces we have in Kuwait and we have in every country we operate in. Uh, so uh, for sure that, that's and 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 most of the time for the last four months these offices have been empty, and people have been working from home. And alhamdulillah, we ended up producing the same level of production. Alhamdulillah, uh, because we were, I think we were forced to. Once you, once you have your back against the wall, uh, then you have to adapt. So we had to adapt, and I think definitely moving forward, uh, less office spaces will be utilized. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um, Muhammad, uh, before we wrap up, I want to ask you this question. What's been the best advice that somebody has ever given to you that you would like, you know, to, to convey and hand over to, to young founders and young investors who are listening to you? Great question, Khaldun, mashallah. For me, I mean, alhamdulillah, I was blessed to have a very successful grandfather who who started from nothing and he made a huge fortune and then he lost all his money uh, in the in, in the Manaf crash in Kuwait and then he ended up building it again and uh, and alhamdulillah I was fortunate enough to see that and see that he uh, you know he has he because he looked after his family very very well and he looked after people who always needed help very very well Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wafuga so I think that uh, realization that it's not you who do do things it's to succeed because success here is not just uh, running a successful company. It's how to run a successful company, make money, have good health. People love you and, you know, and you end up keeping sane and not, and not losing it. You know, a lot of people with power and money, they end up changing as human beings. So I think success is how to be able to handle all that and still be humble and, and give back to society, give back to people that are in need. So I think uh, that realization, Khaldun, that... No, it's not from you. It's from a higher power, من الله سبحانه وتعالى. And and in the end, you, you, it's about proving it because a lot of people think in هذا مش يعني this is not the case. هي شطارة وهي فرص إلى آخره. So for me, I think it's how to prove it, how to show, how to show actually لا إنه نجحنا مو عشان مثلاً محمد was smart. No, because Muhammad followed. Uh, you know, Sinat Rasulullah he followed Allah's path as much as possible. Muhammad is not perfect, he makes mistakes, but as much as possible, he tries to, to follow. Uh, at the same time, work very, very hard as well. You have to work very hard. You can't sit back and, and only pray. These things have to go hand in hand together. And, uh, and showing, showing the rest of the world that as Arab, we can do it. And for me, that's, this is something we have to do. Inshallah, we end up doing it. Inshallah. Of course, of course. Muhammad, Thank you so much for your time. Uh, you're a superhero for founders My and story. investors. Your story is, is, is inspiring. And uh, we hope that, you know, young VCs and young founders and students and, you know, everybody who aspires to build success in this part of the world, you know, listens to what you've said and benefits from your story. Thank you so much for your time. Shukran, Khaldun. It's been a real pleasure, Saraha, you know, speaking with you. I really enjoyed it. And inshallah, uh, I get to visit you in Jordan soon. Inshallah, inshallah. You're, you're welcome anytime, my friend. Thank you so much. Allah Thank you so much.